Happy Halloween! <laughs> Welcome to the first semi-live episode of Conjuring Conversations filmed in front of a live studio audience. Woo! It's truly a live studio audience of four. Um, but they are alive. Indeed. It's really intimate and I think it's really reflective of our efforts thus far. It is. Does it count if they're part of the crew? Yes. Yes. It still yes. counts. But we got we got like some crew adjacent, the crew crew adjacents. Support system. It's like it's like it's like when your parents system. come and watch you play like high school tennis. Does yeah. that really like, count? That's what this is. This is like a high school play that we're putting on oh, for like, our family and friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you're at like a family reunion and you and all your cousins are like, let's, let's make up a, a dance show. and that's put on a show. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what, what this is. is. This same energy. We I knew it. Except we practice zero time. Uh, but I guess at the time that you guys are watching this, it is Halloween. But yes, I guess you guys are watching this on Halloween morning slash evening slash afternoon slash Listening Halloween. on Halloween. Whatever you're Halloweening. Yep. Yeah. So I hope everyone's having a good spooky Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, disappointed yes. that it's on a Sunday, I will say. You were so close to being Saturday. Last and then year you was just a Saturday. Weren't. Well, then that explains why it was a Sunday. But last last year was a, a bad Halloween to be on a Saturday. It was like Very true. everything was perfect Lit. about it. It was a full moon. It was on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. True. But I will argue that it does give kind of a long weekend, like Halloween. Like you kind of get the Saturday and the Sunday. Oh, that's true. You can celebrate all. That is yeah. true. That is very very true. Sundays for the kids. No. Saturdays for, for the, the boys. Adults. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> now, how do you feel about like neighborhoods trick or treating a day or two early if I it's mean, on a Sunday? I feel like it's getting dark enough at this point that you could just do it on Sunday. And, yeah. You know, like it'd probably be okay, but you know, I get it. School nights and whatever. It's the Lord's Day. <laughs> oh, that's. We, what we can't do that about. satanic bullshit <laughs> on our our holy Sundays. Can we say bullshit on this podcast. I, we, we said, I think we said shit a couple I, times. I definitely I have said cursed. shit this week. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to go beep <laughs> on the recording. <laughs> you know, honestly, beeps are a lot funnier than actual swearing. Yeah, this episode's a little bit different from what we normally do for you guys, obviously. Uh, especially because the stories that we have for you today, one, there are multiple and two, they are entirely fictitious and of our own creation. Or are they? Or are they? No, yeah, minus. We're each gonna share a story and it's gonna be amazing. Also, guys, this is the first time that we have actually heard Sophie on the show. Yeah. Hello. And it's like our first time <laughs> recording something where Sophie is here. Yeah, oh yeah. We're all together. Yeah, I do exist. Um, I exist <laughs> on the other side of the computer. I make the edits. I do the beat bops and the mixy-mix. The little Do knobby turndials. Uh -huh. Yeah. The little typey type. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ryan and Cameron were gracious enough to allow me. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I came up with oh this idea, God. I think. <laughs> it's like, please, may please, I be in an please, episode? Stop. Please give me a crumb. By 15 minutes. I'm actually very nervous to share my story. Just because it's one of those things, you know, where you're sharing with people but i guess that's what this podcast Creative. has been all about right yeah it's just getting out of your comfort zone and sharing things that i don't know you may, you may be chastised for from normal people but we're not normal people damn exactly. it exactly we're not so cameron is sitting on the throne um which means she's gonna share her story first ah. oh i guess it's only it's it's ritual of course to give the speaker <laughs> the speaking stick mm -hmm. or the michael myers knife thank you Cameron, do you want to give us any type of synopsis or hint as to what your story is going to be about? Oh, maybe. Um, I tried to go in a somewhat more non-traditional route 
I mean, it, it is still like spooky, but I tried to stay away from like traditional supernatural. Okay. All so right. that's all I'll say. I dig it. Since I was young, my family has gone on trips to the mountains in the fall. Being from South Georgia, there wasn't much of a transition to autumn or any sort of autumn at all for that matter. And the North Georgia mountains are full of fun fall activities. Many trips were spent on lakes, visiting the tiny mountain towns and eating fresh apples from Ella J, Georgia's apple capital. Best of all though, were our family hikes. When you're the only girl among four brothers, you pick up some life skills out on the trails. I'd continued those trips all through college, and since graduation, I'd been searching for new trails to try. Driving slowly through the winding roads and searching for any semblance of a trail, I came across a truck pull-off where a few cars were parked. I hopped out with a giggle of excitement and looked into the woods, pushing my car keys into my pocket with a reassuring beep of my car looking behind me. A waterfall rumbled in the distance, and I let a feeling of calm wash over me. This was my place. I began my trek down to the hill to the trail. You know, the Rocky Mountains get a lot of hype for being so much bigger than the Appalachians, but let me assure you, the Appalachians are by far superior. What they lack in stature, they make up for in history. They existed long before us and will remain long after us. I love to hike and wonder what exists beneath my feet, buried miles and miles down, never to be found again. Dinosaurs? Something we've never even heard of? After a mile or so, I slowed down to grab a drink of water. I sat on a rock to check my phone maps, knowing this would be the last time I'd have service for a while. I only rested for what felt like just a minute and looked back up from my phone and then back down at the clock on my lock screen. It felt awfully dark for 3 p.m. I wasn't too far from my car. I had plenty of time to get back, no problem. The darkness fell even quicker than it came and I looked up for storm clouds thinking there could be some rain on the way. Clear skies. I rounded a bend I remembered seeing on the walk down, pushed my way through a thicket of bushes and found myself in a clearing. This was unfamiliar. I stood still and took in the silence. I could see stars now. I had a flashlight and some snacks, but I hadn't packed a tent or sleeping bag. This hike was only meant to be a few hours long. The silence seemed to grow louder and louder with the sound of my rapidly increasing heartbeat. This anxiety was not something I was used to. The trails were my home. Then, through the silence, Jennifer! I quickly spun around on one heel and aimed my flashlight into the dark woods. Nothing and everything seemed to stare back. Jennifer! This was strange. Hearing my name was strange enough, but that voice was familiar. It was my best friend's voice. It was clear as day and it sounded close. 15, 20 yards away maybe, but far off at the same time. My breathing had picked up so much that it became noticeable again and I started making conscious efforts to slow myself down. You've been trained not to panic, Jen. You know what to do. You have everything you need to spend one night in the woods. You're going to be fine. Feeling reassured, I headed back towards the woods where I'd come into the clearing. Jennifer! That one came directly ahead. I stopped in my tracks and shined my flashlight, my hand trembling. She's not there. There's no way that she's 
there. How would she even know where you are? Why would she know? She has your location, but you don't have service and you haven't for a while now. I did not want to, but I had to keep moving forward. I walked into the trees and found my way back to a familiar trail. I was maybe a third of a mile back up the hill when... Ding! Hello! I know you said you'd be on a hike, but guess who's here asking about you? He's looking so cute and, well, you guys would just be so cute together. Please tell me you're going to give him a shot. Girl, time as soon as you get back, okay? Bye! I hung up the phone. If she's at home leaving me a voicemail, who had I been hearing? I turned back towards the clearing, confused and scared. Should I stay here for the night or keep moving? Keep moving, I told myself. Always keep moving. As I turned back to the trees, a rustling started ahead of me. It's not exactly alarming. I'm in the woods after all. I retie my hair into a ponytail and try to breathe. I know where to go now. I just need to keep climbing. Step one. Step two. Step three rustling a lot of it and footsteps this time is someone else stuck down here too i start running towards the sound shouting hey hey there are you trying to head back up to the road i really feel like two flashlights would be better than one my flashlight was shaking as i ran towards the sound i looked up from the ground i'd been trying not to fall and then my flashlight caught sight of something a, a person no but almost a person. I stopped. My heart started to pick up again and it was not from the cardio. A lump formed in my throat. A knot tied itself in my stomach. What was that? Frozen in place, I let the silence lie. I was afraid to make a move or make a sound. I clicked my flashlight off and pushed my back against a tree. I covered my own mouth in an attempt to stay as quiet as possible. And then it came out from behind a tree. Tall, humanoid, but definitely not human. It was impossibly slender as if it were malnourished. It stood nearly eight feet tall, but walked with a hunch greenish skin wrapped its frame tightly and seemed to almost glow. I looked up at the moon and back down at the creature. Was it translucent? I backed myself into the trees, biting my lip and praying there wasn't anything for me to trip over. I wedged myself between two trees and waited. 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 I could barely see it now as it winded its way down the trail. For being so large, it made almost no noise. I thought it missed me. And then, ding! My eyes widened and panic just set in. I lost sight of the thing. Where did it go? I, I lost it. Where did it go? Did it miss me? Am I okay? Can I make it up to my car? Where is it? Can I? A snap of a branch came from my left side. I slowly turned my head. Nothing. I turned my head forward. I stared through the trees right at it. 
It could see me now. It knew I was here. I slowly reached into my pocket and flipped my phone's vibrate switch. Neither of us moved as if in a standoff. Its eyes were black and empty, but somehow knowing, completely confident that it was the wolf and I was the rabbit. And it was right, predator and prey. Think fast, Jen, think fast, okay, think faster. My fingers wandered down my pant leg and I felt a sharp jab of a key in my leg. This was all I had. My knife was in my bag. The thing began walking towards me, forming and reforming its shape as it took each slow, long, silent step. Flashlight in hand, I waited, waited. A game of life or death chicken. And then, when it got close enough, I yanked the pin out of my safety alarm and threw it as hard as I could at the thing, shined the flashlight in its eyes and ran for my life. I ran, ran, ran up the mountain. My life literally depended on it. Don't stop, don't turn back, drop everything if you have to, just go. Lights shone above me and suddenly I could hear the rush of cars. Go, 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 don't stop, don't stop. Jennifer, Jennifer, wait up! Why are you running? Jen! Run, 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 don't look back. My heartbeat pounded 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 i couldn't wait at this point i dropped my bag and ran off the trail headed towards the cliff in front of my car the sound of tree limbs crackled behind me and i dug my nails into the dirt grabbing onto exposed tree roots and rocks free climbing my way up i felt my nails breaking and ripping under the pressure as i fought harder harder moving as quickly as i could manage only adrenaline was keeping me alive right now I swung a leg up onto the path and rolled onto the pavement next to my car, scraping my knees and craving the safety of something familiar. With only my phone and my keys, I threw my car into drive and got out of there, never planning to return. The end. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, God. that was very spooky. Boo! It was so scary that I'm crying. Yeah, I am also crying. It's not the smoke, it's still billowing into my face. Yeah. Just to give you all a visual, because I don't know if we mentioned this, um, Cameron, Ryan, and I are sitting in front of a fire pit. Um, it's a very windy, very cold night here in Georgia, and uh, we're being assaulted by smoke. Veritably bombarded. So Literally. it really adds to the, um, the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God! Dressing as serial killers and that being That sort of asphyxiated. reminded me of a few things. Slender Man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Also, oh my gosh. the whole concept of mimics yes. that we talked about Yes, that's what I was pulling season. from. Or like a skinwalker. That's yep. what I was pulling yeah. from. Yep. Skinwalker. Have you seen uh, the movie The Ritual? Yes. It gave me big ritual vibes. Yes. Incredible oh movie for any of you that haven't seen it. That is really good. Quintessential Lost in the Woods monster yes, movie. Yes. Um, but no, I, that, I, I, I felt a lot of that in it. It's a very good thing. Thank it, you. When well, I was younger, there was nothing I was scared of more than the dark. So to think of like being trapped in the woods in the dark. Trapped in the that's woods one in of the my dark. fears. <laughs> I want to ask whether that story was inspired by any of your like deepest fears. And I know you kind of Ooh. just said that. Yeah. Um, 
I guess I didn't think about it too much, but yeah, the idea of like being trapped somewhere overnight and like not knowing where you are and not having really anything that you would need is pretty terrifying. I feel like to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I love monster stories and talking about where the idea for your monster came from. What was your inspiration for, you know, the, the description of this translucent thing? I don't know. I kind of just tried to picture like what we were talking about, like a mimic or a skinwalker and almost make it kind of like alien-like. Ooh, yeah. Um, like big, maybe used to be some sort of human and is not, or was never human. I don't really know. Like I was just thinking about like what would scare me. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if they just want a friend though. I don't think that one did. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Chief. He just wanted a hug. <laughs> he just wanted a hug. All I want was a hug. Jennifer didn't want to hug him, so. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So I now have the talking knife. Um, I guess if I had to describe, or whatever, brief synopsis for my story, is it's not scary in, like, the typical way, because I have trouble with fiction sometimes. It's more of like a dark, kind of itchy feeling. I don't know if that makes okay, sense. Okay, okay. Because for me, absurdity is very creepy. The first house I remember living in was a stone-clad mansion on a small canal, furnished with glass and sharp angles. It might have had six stories, though most things seem large at that age, but I mostly remember the bedroom floors. My sister and I shared one side of the house, while my parents inhabited the other. Our bedroom floors, I thought of them as individual towers, were on opposite sides of the house. My parents slept near the tippity top with access to the roof. I would scream when I had nightmares, eyes shut. I wanted my parents to come to my room, but was too scared to run up and down three different flights of stairs to get to them. It seemed to me that whatever creatures or circumstances giving me bad dreams would become suddenly real if I opened my eyes. If I set foot out of my bed, forget it. So I screamed the blood-curdling scream only a child can muster up. My screams must have bounced across all that glass and right into my parents' bedroom because they always came. I don't remember what they would do after that. I didn't scream when I dreamed about the little girl, though. I remember the first time she visited me. Drifting off into whatever space exists between cognizance and slumber, my dreamscape that evening was my bedroom. Soft pink walls surrounded my small corner bed, placed against the far right wall. The closet, closed, sat near the door, shut on the opposite wall. For all intents and purposes, I was both awake and asleep at that moment. There was a plush love seat in the corner. It must have had some childlike pattern on it. On this night, the first night we met, all I saw at first was the girl's red hair sticking out from under the chair. It moved around like she was trying to shimmy her way out from under the cushion. Her long red hair was slowly accompanied by her head, shoulders, and torso until there she was, standing in the corner. Well, hi. I must have been too scared to talk back. What I immediately noticed was she had a sense of confidence about her that I found intimidating, considering she was in my bedroom. She was smirking and light on her feet. I don't want to wake up your parents now, but I think we should have some fun. Like in any dream with its unexplained timeline, we found ourselves suddenly transported into the kitchen. 
The girl looked around, strutting, pulling open cabinets and drawers until she found what she was looking for. A small skewer, used for corn on the cob. In a flash, she was next to me, and with a girlish giggle, poked my arm with the little skewer. Ouch, I said. She'd drawn blood. It was a small prick, but I was taken off guard. In the dark, I could see the neon red dripping down my skinny arm. I teared up a little. Tag, you're it. Oh, don't be such a baby, the girl said. And in an instant, we were at the bottom of the stairs leading up to my parents' bedroom. She stood, looking up, then looked at me. If you scream, I'll get you in trouble. Before I had time to process this, the little girl darted over to a balcony overlooking the bottom floor of the house. She turned her head, grinned mischievously, and jumped. Clutching my sore arm, I shrieked and I ran over. Looking down, I saw her flat as a pancake on the bottom, that smile still plastered on her face, now the top layer in her small, stacked body. Slowly, like one of those inflatable balloons, the girl seemingly filled with air from bottom to top, her red curls bouncing out around her. As with any dream, I didn't really question this girl's abilities, but I began to feel anxious, like in a nightmare. She said she would get me in trouble if I made any noise. I blinked and she was back. Shh, you're gonna wake them up, she whispered angrily with her brows furrowed. I finally mustered up the courage. I don't wanna play with you anymore. Can I go back to bed, please? I said shyly. Her face inched closer and closer to me. With a growing evil smile, she whispered, not until I've had my fun. She was gone in a blink. Then suddenly I heard the sound of my parents coming down the carpeted stairs. I stayed where I was. Remember, this was still a dream seemingly cemented to the ground. My parents mumbled words I couldn't understand, the anxiety within me building up. I had a bad feeling and I didn't want them to see the girl. And then she was there. She looked at me, her face gone from young and playful to smirking, black eyes widening. You don't want to play? Fine. But I don't think your parents are going to help wake you up. She wiggled her strangely long, thin fingers, I hadn't noticed them before, towards my mom and dad. I watched as their bodies shriveled into noodle-like fragments, arms and legs splayed over the banister. I screamed. And I was awake. Gasping, I sat up quickly and turned my head toward the chair in the corner. There was nothing there. The girl was in my dreams almost every night after that. I gave her a name in my head. The Stranger. It was almost always the same thing. The Stranger would wriggle out from under the chair, spry and mischievous, and make me play strange games with her. Sometimes she would lock me in my closet, laughing while I shivered in the dark. One time she put my dog in the pool and I stood there, unable to move, watching it struggle in the water. She would poke my sleeping parents with forks and knives. She made me cut my sister's hair with garden clippers. Upon waking up, it all seemed so absurd, but in my dreamland, the stranger had access to anything and everything she wanted, and she always seemed to want to get me in trouble. As I got older, I saw the stranger less in my dreams, but remnants of her would pop up. Someone with long red hair in a crowd, or flashes of that wide, evil smile. While my childlike terror of nightmares became less prevalent, the anxiety of encountering the stranger in my dreams was always present. Like a parasite, any stressful situation in my life were paired with stronger iterations of the stranger in my dream. She fed off of sadness, fear, loneliness, and pain sucking every last drop of these emotions like through a straw, but it didn't feel good. No matter what I did or what state I was in, the stranger continued on existing, hibernating, waiting to crawl out from the deepest, darkest parts of my mind, hungry for more. The end.
feel like your synopsis was correct. <laughs> it was very correct. Okay, I'll be honest. I thought, like, it didn't go where I thought it was going to go. Because I kind of thought that, like, you would have these dreams and wake up and, like, you actually did it. Like, she was possessing oh. you or something. So I had, like, another idea of where it was going to go at first. And I was going to make it, like, she kind of ate my memories. But I didn't know how to connect those things. Like, I, it would it would have been 3,000 words long. <laughs> no. <laughs> A novel. So, so in your mind, who or what is the stranger? Is it merely a, a figment of a dream, like an extension of yourself? Is it an external yeah. entity? It's hard to say. Like, I feel like what I tried to kind of make it as is almost a physical representation of, like, anxiety yeah, and anxiety. fear. Sure, yeah. right. And, like, something that's always lurking, ready to come out and kind of just make you feel like you're worst at any moment. Mm -hmm. But the whole, like, the premise, I actually had dreams of this, like, little girl oh, that really? lived. Yes under the chair in my room when I was young. And I didn't have that many, like it, it wasn't like a reoccurring thing, but I think I probably had five or something. Um, and it freaked me out cause she would like make me do things like bad things. And then I would wake up and feel really like weird about it. And I did actually scream so that my parents would come get me whenever <laughs> I had nightmares, that's also real. Did you also grow up in a castle? It was not a castle, <laughs> but I did grow up in a big, like I lived in a big house when I was younger. So that was why I would scream because I wanted my parents to sure, come get me right. without me getting out of bed. I like that her hair was red specifically. Like, I feel like that gave me a really good image. And like when you were describing her crawling out of the chair, I was like, uh -uh. <laughs> yeah, uh-uh. But like, obviously, uh, red is characteristically like a sign of danger. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's something so creepy about little girls. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, 100%. and like kid evil. Things. Yes. <laughs> Yes. that I think yeah I, I'm hoping that that was like a creepy part of it but yeah it's one of those things where it's not like quintessentially scary but for me absurd weird things that you can't control like in nightmares right. are some of the creepiest I figured out what it reminded me of what the little girls in the shining where they're oh. like come <laughs> play, play with, with us, us Danny yeah and then suddenly they're just like dead and bleeding out on the floor mm -hmm. yeah. and they go back to us like, we want to have fun Danny oh, right I'm sure they do it wasn't their fault that their father killed them that's, that's true. true that's true yes it is damn it <laughs> no victim blaming on this show <laughs> unless you're a victim in like one of the Halloween movies or like Friday the 13th they had it coming I'm sorry I'm sorry oh my god they chose to be in a slasher film <laughs> they did <laughs> They, they, they chose to hide in the shed full of chainsaws, like in that Geico commercial. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Why don't we just get in their running car? No! No! Well, hide behind the chainsaws! <laughs> they did do good on that one. They did, yeah, they did done real capitalism. <laughs> making me laugh at commercials. <laughs> well, that means we have one story left. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm so excited. This is Ryan's story. Ryan, any any uh, words? Oh, the knife is right here. I'm going to pass oh, it. Oh, no. I can't see the knife. <laughs> now that I have the uh, the speaking butcher, that's not a butcher knife, it's a kitchen knife. Uh, so my story, I I wrote a very stream of consciousness kind of up, very, very up to the listener type of story. Um, I don't like, with horror, things that are too concrete. So I went the complete opposite direction and wrote something completely non-concrete. Uh, so it lets you kind of figure out what you want to think about it and what you think happens at the end. 
and in the beginning and in the middle. It's it's very, 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 very stream of consciousness. That's just how I think. So I apologize if that's not what people like. But Checks out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay, you guys ready for some spooky shit? We ready. Warmth. Warmth drips down the side of his face in crimson rivulets. Warmth trickles off his chin and down onto his hands, staining the rope binding his wrists. Warmth seeps from the gash hidden beneath his hair, a throbbing reminder of the baseball bat that struck him unconscious. Warmth bleeds into and pools in his eyes, which is frantically wiped away with bound and chafed hands. The leaves crunch as the procession marches deeper into the forest. The woods pass silently by as the man is led, pulled, along the roughly beaten path by his entourage, who march their pilgrimage in silence, torches held aloft, providing the only glow and warmth in the shadow of the forest. The flames of the torches dance in ominous waltz, the embers launching gleefully skyward, illuminating the eyes of creatures unseen in the forest canopy. The man's eyes follow the crumbs of flame as they twirl their way to the heavens, wishing he, too, would float away, away from the people, the beings, the monsters, that drag him through the freshly fallen autumnal leaves. Another blow to his head. More warmth gushes from a freshly evolved flap of flesh. Commands are given, but unheard by the bound man, whose head swims with stars and bright, ethereal flashes of color, dragging again. Dazed, bleeding, lost. His eyes dart frantically from one captor to another, to another, to another, to another, hunting for a glimpse of humanness. The green silk cloaks clasped neatly around their necks flow gently down their bodies and drag in the leaves. The one wielding a baseball bat to his right wears the decomposing head of a cow atop his own, a macabre parody of a mask. The one to his left dons a pig head, blood still oozing from the wound on the animal's neck. Around him, a veritable menagerie of masks, the jaws of the creatures pulled and torn unnaturally wide open, allowing the humans, the, the creatures, the entities, to gaze through. In the distance, noise, sound, music. The thrumming of drums reverberates in his chest as he's drugged through the dirt. The discordant melody of hundreds of voices vibrates the ground, hums through the trees, and fills the night air with its tune. Every labored step brings him closer to the sound. The melancholic chorus rises in its din by the moment. Heat encases him in its blistering embrace. Heat overpowers the warmth of the blood cascading down his face. Heat blinds him as he opens his eyes, straining against the bonfire, the funeral pyre, in front of his face. Blinded by the searing light and smoke emanating from the fire, his gaze hazily traces around the pyre. Through clouded vision he sees amorphous forms draw into focus. Desiccated animal heads rest atop their shoulders. The mouths of the slaughtered creatures hang slack-jawed. The discordance of their song gush from between curled and rotten lips. From across the fire, the bound man sees one break their encircled ranks and step forward. He sees through the smoke antlers, beautifully polished brazen antlers, rising from the crest of the head of a buck. The points on the ivory dance and sway in perfect rhythm with the waltz of the flames as the person, the monster, the horror, 
swings its head gracefully from one side to the other, addressing those gathered in congregation around the fire. His fire. His arms rise, palms open skyward, as he tilts his head back, his own song piercing through the chanting. The bound man stares in awe as the buck man, buck creature, buck thing, calls out to the woods. The song crescendos, reaches a peak, bodies twirl around the fire, voices entangle and scream to the heavens before falling silent. The bound man, now kneeling in front of the fire, feels new warmth caress his face. Not blood, not flames, but tears. He touches the tears with his bloody hands as they roll lethargically down his cheek. He examines his fingers, seeing the blood and tears pooling and whirring together, conjoining into one droplet, but refusing to homogenize. The buck man strides slowly around the pyre, the congregation parting like the seas as he passes through. The bound man sees more clearly, sees the advanced decomposition of the buckhead. Skin sloughs off the deer skull. Tendons and muscles show blackened and rotten through stripped-away flesh. What remains of the fur is matted, dense, and stained with blood. The buckman extends a silk-gloved hand to the bound man, who, in his dazed stupor, is given no choice but to accept the invitation and rise to his feet. The bound man's legs discover newfound strength. Any weariness or hesitation washes away with the touch of the buckman's hand. Standing now, the buckman towers over him. The antlers reach longingly towards the sky, nearly four full feet over the bound man's head. The buckman leads towards the bound man, the cheek of the eviscerated deer head brushing against the bound man's, as the faintest of whispers can be heard escaping the buck's mouth. The eyes of the bound man shoot wide, not with fear, not with horror, but with understanding. The buckman returns to his place at the head of the congregation. Fresh tears coat the cheeks of the bound man as he stares into the crackling flames. His shoulders hunch and his feet drop from beneath him as he falls to his knees, not in despair, not in anger, but in acceptance. Another melody breaks through the woods. The menagerie around him murmurs in excitement, in anticipation, in fear. From the inky shadows of the woods, a form drags itself into existence and heaves itself into the light of the fire. Pale, translucent membrane encapsulates the body of the thin, spindly creature. On all fours, the ghast crawls towards the bound man, song escaping from the being's own mouth. The bound man stares back at the creature. He sees writhing beneath the translucence of its skin millions of creatures, ink blots for eyes, fingers curled and pressed against the walls of their prison, all of them hunting, searching, coursing for a way to escape. The bound man stares into the vast, empty blackness of the creature's eyes, and understands in that moment eternity. Within the endless void of its eyes, he sees stars, moons, planets, galaxies, universes, realities branching from one another and melding with others to become whole, timelines beginning and ending, worlds being created and destroyed. The beast opens its maw, and from its jaws drops an impossibly long protuberance of a tongue. Now, mere inches from the bound man's own face, who continues to stare into the vastness of its eyes, the creature wraps its tongue around the bound man's neck. 
the creature reaches out with one gnarled, bony hand and caresses his face. Two words, two solitary words, muttered from a voice entirely too soothing, echo in the bound man's mind as he stares into the creature's eyes. Sleep now. The bound man's neck snaps with a resounding crunch. He falls into the grasp of the creature, who gathers his prey and slinks back into the woods, dragging the limp corpse behind it. The congregation watches in awed silence as the being slinks back into the shadows of the forest and out of sight. They collectively sigh as they remove the heads of the animals and throw them into the fire. One giant funerary pyre. Men, women, children, grandfathers, grandmothers, aunts, uncles, cousins, all emerge from their disguises, content to live one more year of peace, one more year before another must be found, one more year before one must die to save the many. That is the end of my story. Holy God. I am like, I'm weeping. We're just going to sound like we've been crying for hours. Yeah, we are. guys. I feel like yours could have been, like, what came after mine. I, yes. Ooh. When you read yours, I was like, oh, damn, we kind of went a similar we went, direction. I mean, but then no, it they were not really. similar. They were not similar. It was like, I mean, you said, like, the ritual. I got that from yours, too. Ritual ex Midsommar. Yeah. So the translucent creature thing. I, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> so what was your inspiration for that story? Or what things did you try and pull from? What fears? What stories? Uh, movies? For me, it was almost kind of existential. Mm. Where when he looks into that creature's eyes, he learns of and accepts that he is nothing but also part of everything. Mm. That's part of why he becomes okay with dying. Uh, he realizes from the deer man kind of what's going on. And that these people don't want to kill him they are doing what they have to because for whatever reason, you know, it's up to you to decide if they don't go through this ritual, something happens to the hundreds or the thousands of, of this community. Mm-hmm. They, they are stuck in doing what they are doing. And again, like in seeing this creature, he understands death. He kind of witnesses all of existence's existence at once. And quite frankly, eternity and death and existence terrifies me. So Damn. <laughs> full circle. We just came full circle. So there's a lot being unsaid in your story. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you guys do this, but often, actually, you know, every single time that I hear a story, I can't just listen to it. Like, I have to play it like a movie in my head. Right. And yours was very good for that. Like, lots yes. of visual, lots of detail. I could, like, see it. The tongue on the neck. Oh, that. I literally. Like, you can see me visibly go, that hit hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought your visuals were really, really good. I feel like it's one of those stories I need to hear again. I kind of, I wrote in, like, little tidbits like that. You know, I'm no no Stephen King. I can't, you know, I can't go in and write entire subplots that aren't resolved until you read it a second time. But it gave the air of another, something beyond what was happening. Oh, yeah. Which is important. Why are you scared of existence? <laughs> so, I feel like this is important to discuss. Oh god, we're we're about to get get real philosophical here. You can only you only have to get as philosophical as you're comfortable with. Okay, so I'll start off by saying I am not a religious person. I don't have any belief in a a you know, an afterlife led by a deity. Uh-huh. I don't believe in like a heaven or a hell. 
So one of the reasons I'm so fascinated with ghosts and spirits, and one of the reasons I'm so glad I have as many experiences as I do, is I'm terrified of dying. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's next. I have no comfort in the afterlife. You know, I have no comfort that I'm going to meet St. Michael or whatever, or be reborn. You know, I don't don't know what's next. So in, I don't know, uh, I I hunt for that kind of stuff with my my persistence in finding ghost stories uh, and just finding truth to what's next. Mm. <laughs> well, that was deep. Well, this is the root of Brian Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Well, I just think that's really interesting because I also don't believe in, in, I don't have a religion or whatever, or faith, but I feel almost comfortable knowing or feeling, thinking, that when I die, it's just going to be black. And that almost makes me feel better. Really? It's the yeah. opposite. Yeah, it's the opposite for me, too. That's so fascinating. Like, I, I have to know what else is out there in the universe. And the thought of not being able to know what's beyond, like, our visible stretch of the universe pisses me off. Fear of the unknown. <laughs> it's not just, like, fear of the unknown. It's, like... But, like, such a deep curiosity. A, yes. Like, the thought of not being able to know doesn't, like, scare me. It makes me angry. angry. It's like, God mm. damn it, I want to know what's out there. Right. And, like, the fact that we are born in this weird time where we're, you know, we're, we're too old to explore the Earth. But too young to explore the universe. Yeah, space. Okay. We're stuck in this weird little limbo of there's. But would you want to know everything? Oh yes, absolutely. Yes. Without really? A doubt. Without a doubt. Well, okay. I have kind of an ending conclusion question. Okay. Okay. Just okay. for the end of this episode and the end of the season. Kind of like, where do you guys want to see horror go? Like, in what kind of direction? And that can be maybe in film. That can be in the way we think about ghosts, afterlife. Yeah, sure. Stuff like that. So, in film, uh, one of the, the movements that I'm actually seeing a lot of that I'm appreciating more is it's getting more cerebral. Uh, yes. The early 2000s, like 2020, really, was just jump scares. Yeah, jump it was, scares yeah. and gore. It's, it's, it's cheap horror. It doesn't make you think, you know? You can be scared for a night, but, like, I don't know. Like, movies like The Shining, or, or the, have you seen Creep by any chance? No. It's a, it's a movie that is too feasible. It is too real that no. it could actually happen. Yeah. It's one of those ones where you think back about it, like, six months after watching it, and you still get scared. <laughs> and that's the beauty of a true, well-written horror movie, mm. a horror story. Mm. You know, like, I don't, I don't think back to um, three days after watching the fourth Insidious movie yeah. and still be scared. No, yeah, you're completely right about that. In that vein, you guys know that I love true crime, but I would like to see more true crime-based horror mm. because it is real. Have you seen Sinister? Yes. It's a perfect blend of, like, I supernatural really like true movie. crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's divine. Sophie, what about you? Um, my opinion feels a little invalid because I don't watch a lot of horror movies or like consume a lot of that content. You can still like certain things and want to see certain things. It's true. I mean, I think if I had to say anything on the subject, I would like for us as like a society to just like take more of what we consider like, I don't know, if we're talking specifically about like the paranormal into account, I feel like it's so made fun of. But, like, my whole thing is, I have never had a paranormal experience, but it's so prevalent in our culture that that in itself makes it real. Yeah. So if we could just, like, talk about it a little bit more and it not be this kind of, like, butt of the joke at times, like, with ghost adventures, like, with all that type of shit. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And that yeah. content in itself, like, is entertaining. Right. But yeah. that's why it's it's been so interesting for me, even just to just be, like, editing this podcast, because it's something I never thought about as someone who doesn't feel very in touch with that, like, side of things. But right. it's a big deal. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it, it is painful that, like, the most successful ghost hunters, quote-unquote, are the ones that just meme themselves yeah. into oblivion. Yeah. Like, I love Zach Bagans, oh, but he is a walking meme. He is. <laughs> and he knows it, and he owns it, and yeah. he makes bank off of it. Yeah. But, no, you're absolutely right. There needs to be a more real side to it. Well, guys, it's pretty crazy that this is the end, but we want to thank everyone for tuning in, not just to this very special Halloween episode. That was especially amazing because it wasn't just me and Ryan and Sophie, but also our web developer, Michael, and Olivia, our front-end web developer. We miss you so much. We wish you were here. And final thing, we officially have a website. So go check us out at conjuringconversations.com. You can find everything Conjuring Conversations on that page. And if you want to be featured in our season two, make sure to submit your stories on our website. Uh, send as much detail as you can. The form is there on our Contact Us page. And again, we just want to give a very big, genuine thank you to everyone that's here around this campfire with us right now. Uh, I mean, Cameron and I wouldn't... We're, we're, we're not Conjuring Conversations. Conjuring Conversations is all of us. Okay, now I'll switch from the podcast to a very Conjuring Conversations Halloween playlist. Party all night. Bye. This has been a production of Conjuring Conversations, hosted by Ryan Cameron and Cameron Rogers. Produced by Sophie Gratas. Main theme written by Miller May. No authorized reproduction of this podcast is permitted without the explicit consent of Conjuring Conversations. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.